on them. Hallelujah. A hand of anointing. Lord, we stretch out hands of anointing. Lord, we have found out from the Word of God that there are hands of blessing. There are also our hands of violence. But Lord, we will be hands of blessing. And we bless our brother and our sister. We thank you, God, more than we can think or say for all that they represent here at First Church and to us, all of us personally. Uh, awesome couple. We thank you for 46 years of marriage. We pray, God, that you would, Lord, allow every step of their lives to be ordered of the Lord. Father, we pray that blessings would open up from the heavens above, that, Lord, you would lift up that window of blessing. And, Lord, out from that window would pour out such blessing, oh God, that it will overwhelm them. And Lord, I'm praying for an overwhelming blessing, a blessing that they did not anticipate, a blessing that they did not expect. Lord, I speak prophetically over them, that Lord, you would bring into their lives, oh God, a desire of their heart that, Lord, they may have put on a shelf. And Lord, we pray for the fruition of that word, O oh God, to come and to come very soon. In the name of Jesus, and everyone said, amen, amen, amen. Okay, uh, this is not a movie theater, so we don't have popcorn and, you know, and pop and all that stuff. And, uh, but, you know what, when this is over with, if you wanted to get some really awesome goodies, you know, baked goods, that's right outside, it's leftover from yesterday, and when I say leftover, it didn't mean someone, you know, took a little bite out of it. You know, uh, we're talking about uh, good, good, awesome baked goods from our yard sale yesterday. And by the way, thank you for all who helped. It was, was excellent. And it was hot, but you know what? It wasn't terrible hot. It was, uh, you know, God gave us a breeze here and there. Every now and then there'd be an overcast, you know, you go hallelujah for the overcast. So uh, if you would like some baked goods, it's going to take place right outside in the lobby right afterwards. Hey, I want to tell you a story about a kindergarten teacher who uh, said to her new class, she says, uh, who knows their numbers? And she looked at this little boy and she says, do you know your numbers? And he says, yes, my daddy taught me my numbers. He said, well, let's just check it out. Uh, what comes after two? And he immediately said, three. She said, oh, good. What comes after five? And he said, six. And she said, okay. And what comes after eight? And he said, nine. I says, very good. Your dad did a good job. By the way, what comes after ten? And he said, a jack. <laughs> Linda just got it. <laughs> Way to go, Linda. I call. <laughs> uh, George, did you get it? You got it right away, didn't you? <laughs> Hallelujah. You know, dads are unique in that oftentimes how they teach their children may be a, a little bit more, uh, let me say, uh, creative 
And so sometimes there's a creativeness that dads have in teaching their children that may not always be the norm. But praise God for what we've learned from our dads. Amen. And I just want, again, you know, I use this verse a lot because it was something that was taught me and I just agree wholeheartedly with Romans 12 verse 15 that we are to rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Now I say this because this is a happy day. This is Father's Day. And we rejoice with the fathers who are here. But I also know and realize there's some of you, you wish your father was here. Your father uh, passed away maybe a short time ago, a long time ago. We just heard this morning from a phone call just before church that Joseph Pryor uh, normally sits over there. His father just passed away. And so uh, I don't know if it was right on Father's Day, but uh, within the last couple days at least. And so, uh, so we pray for Joseph, if you would keep Joseph in your heart. And so I know he's been ministering a lot to his dad. Uh, Dad's a Christian. But I know some of you here, you would like, you know, you wish, uh, you wish your dad was here. In that regard, we kind of weep with you. And we, we just kind of together wrap our arms around each other and say, you know what? You know, I wish he was here. Maybe he didn't have such a great dad. Maybe he's never really been in a picture. And you think, you know, especially if you're a, a man, you know what? You can make up for the lack of not having a dad or a good dad by being a good dad. Amen? And then we rejoice with each other for the dads who are here today. We really do. And I think it's, I think it's an awesome day of recognition, a recognition of those men in our lives that God has given to us. So how many is thankful for someone in this room right now, especially that, you know, you just, you look to them, you think, man, they are a great dad. They're an awesome dad. I've always said, my kids are better, you know, especially my boys, talking about dads, uh, are better dads than me because they, they just have a, you know, I look at Nick back there and it's great having Nick and Deborah and the kids here. He has probably changed 28,000 diapers. I have probably changed with four kids, three. <laughs> now I will give you a, a pity story. My wife, with four kids, three under two at one point, she used cloth diapers. Oh, listen to that. Collective. Oh. You did too? All three. There we go. Another heroin. Now, Steve, I don't know if you had the same problem I did. We, had, we actually had a, a house, a nice house that we just built, and so we had two and a half baths. But you know what? You could go to any toilet and there'd be a diaper in that toilet. <laughs> and you really need to use, well, anyway, you got where I'm going to. So uh, life was hard being a dad sometimes, you know. But I am thankful for 
you know, I look at my generation and I look at the younger generation, and for the most part, they are more attentive to their little ones. They have, they have done well. They have done better with their parenting skills, in a sense. How many knows what I'm saying? Not that there's greater love. Uh, no, the love is the same, but there's a kind of a changing of, uh, would you say, tradition that, you know, a dad is going to be involved with his kids. And, uh, and I, I look at that with, with joy, that that's a good thing. That's a good thing. So this whole thing about being a dad has changed dramatically over the years. So I don't have a long message. I, I want to uh, move along. I know that, uh, you know, in the last few weeks I've been speaking about the judges. The judges, and as we read the book of Judges, and, I, and I'm just going to touch upon it, but then I'm going to carry on from there a little bit. But I do want to just touch again upon the book of Judges. Judges is, is at least 15, maybe 16 to 17 judges in the, in the Word of God in the Old Testament. And judge, a judge in the Old Testament was the leader of Israel, the leader of Israel. And so I've been sharing about that, and so I won't go into any more detail of, of, the, of the setup of all that, but God wanted to appoint a leader over the children of Israel. Now, here is a, here's one of the big reasons why he put a judge over them, because this scripture is repeated over and over and over and over. You ready for the scripture? It said this. I'm not going to give you the scripture uh, because it's, it's stated, repeated so many different times. But this is what the scripture said. The Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord. They forgot their Lord, their God, and they served the Baals, or the idols, and the Asherahs, other idols. And when that took place, they would eventually do what we all do, cry out for help. We begin to come back to our senses. If you've ever walked away from the Lord, you began to have a loss of memory of what He's done for you until some sort of tragedy takes place and then you say, oh my goodness, what am I doing? I need God in my life. I need to return back to the one who saved me, who created me, who made me. And what a awesome day that is. You know, we, we have the wonderful story. I call it a wonderful story. It's often referred to as the story of the prodigal son. In a way, that's not the greatest title. Because the title could be called the story of a gracious, loving father. It depends on your perspective. You see, when the young man, one of two brothers, comes to his dad and says, Dad, I want my inheritance, and I want to go explore life. First of all, I've always thought it was weird that he said, yes, I'll give you your inheritance. You know, I would have gave him $2.50 and said, have fun. You know? But he took his inheritance. As you know, he went. He wasted his money. And he did so in an evil way, with prostitutes, with whatever worldly things was taking place in society at that moment. He spent all of his money, 
He's away in another land, and then he finds himself completely, totally, 100% broke. Now, you know you can be broke financially. Anybody's ever experienced that? You are a rich, rich person. You're a rich bunch of people because no one said anything. How many has ever been bankrupt spiritually? How many has ever been bankrupt morally? How many has ever been bankrupt and emotionally? You see, it goes on and on and on and on. We can get broke real quick. We can spend all that we have real quick. The son, the youngest son, went and spent all that he had on all of the worldly things. And he finally comes to his senses. And I would come to my senses too if I'm sharing a meal with a hog. You see, he was taking care of hogs. How many knows that for a Jew, that would be an improper thing to do? In fact, it would be you're not supposed to do that. It's unclean. And so he found himself bankrupt in his bank account, bankrupt in his spiritual account, bankrupt in his family account. And he's all of a sudden doing work, taking care of pigs. He's feeding them all the things that pigs eat. And he finds himself so hungry, he's beginning to eat what the pigs ate. Now, how many would probably start to get a little bit of sense returning back to you at that point? We're not totally stupid, are we? And it came to the point where he said, you know what? When I lived at home, we never lacked for food. I mean, we had the best food. I think of some of the family events. And now he's wishing he was back to the place where he wanted to get away from so badly. Because now it looks so much more appealing to be back with my family, the security of my family, to be able to eat, to be able to have fellowship. And so he said to himself, he said, I know I I will walk all the way back, no choice but to walk, I will walk all the way back home And if my father will allow me, I will tell him, I will serve him, I will be like one of his servants, and then I I won't die from famine. He did that. He begins walking. And this is where the story, again, the title, the subtitle should say, the story of the loving and gracious father. Because the father who has the eyes that are behind his head and is able to see things like most parents can about their kids, was able to detect from afar his son approaching. You know, isn't that amazing? We all have these traits. Now, some of you may know what your traits are, and some of you may not like being reminded of what your traits are. You may act just like your mom, your dad, your grandparents, like your aunt, your uncle, you may have the same stooped over uh, posture. You may walk in a similar manner, you know, of, of a parent, whatever. And here's the thing. 
we're recognized by that. Some of you say the exact same things. In fact, your voice, your voice at times will sound exactly like one of your parents. And you may hate that. You may think, oh, you're kidding. I'm going to have to work on that. Well, you can work on it till you're blue in the face, but you will continue to sound and act like that parent. It's just the way it is. It's called DNA. God created us this way. We're connected. Now, hopefully, we have a DNA that causes us to act and react just like our Heavenly Father, and we're recognized by our relationship with Him. So now, the sun is approaching. Dad recognizes that walk. He recognizes from afar exactly who that young man. How many times had he noticed, seen, observed this young man in the field coming home? Coming home for, for lunch, for breakfast, for dinner, whatever. Watching the animals, uh, you know, herding sheep, whatever he was doing. Uh, farming and so many times the son had walked home and recognized by dad and mom and so dad saw him approaching and immediately even though the son had left and I don't know how the communication worked at that time I know for sure they didn't have cell phones I know for sure they didn't email but I have a feeling that dad knew the condition of his son's heart. I think dad knew the condition of his son's life. Hey, come on, dads. Don't you kind of know that about your kids? And when you're a kid, you think there's no way they're ever going to know. And sometimes they're just not saying that they know, but they know. And they know what they know. And so as he saw his son approaching, he gave the orders Go prepare a feast. Go kill the bull, the, the cow. We're having barbecue. We're going to have a meal. We're going to rejoice. Hey, bring a robe. Bring a robe for my son. And a ring. Give him a ring. The gracious, loving, reckless love of a father. And as he came, what joy consumed the area. Now, you also could possibly change the title of this story to The Jerk of a Brother. Because the brother was upset, was mad, that all of this, these good blessings were being heaped upon this miserable young man that did not deserve the favor of a father. But can I ask you this? Which one of us is really merits the favor of the father? The father in heaven or the father below? I mean, really. So what a great story. Not so much about the prodigal, but about the father. His actions. His actions. His... Uh, desire to restore a relationship. Can I say this? The desire to restore a relationship is in your hands. 
Your desire to not restore a relationship is in your hands. My understanding of the New Testament teaching of Jesus Christ, we need to establish strong relationships and repair them when they are broken. And don't you love it when some preacher's telling you that and you have a broken relationship and you think, would you change the topic? I was fine until you brought that up. And I would say I'm sorry, but I'm really not. <laughs> because uh, I've had to go through it. You've had to go through it. It's what we do as believers. We're different. We're peculiar. We're weird. We're odd when we belong to Jesus Christ. That's it. We are different. We're totally different. So, in looking at the glory of a father, we, we see that, man, God gave fathers, in a sense, to the state of Israel in the form of a judge. They, became, they are often referred to as, as fathers. And so we look at, and just staying with the whole topic of judges just for a moment, it's interesting because we look at the responsibility of a father, and when we fail as fathers to do what fathers should do. For me, my favorite judge is Samuel. If you remember the, the story, his mom, she, uh, Elkanah, she had a, uh, a little boy. In fact, for quite a long time, she couldn't have children. Her husband had two wives. And the other wife just kept popping them out. Boom, 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 boom. And she would actually make fun of Samuel's mom. And in fact, till she cried. She was in tears because she wanted to have children. And one of, for me, if I want to find a funny in the Bible, there's some funnies, right, in the Bible. You know, like years and years ago, with newspapers, some of you like to go to the comic section, you know. Well, there's a funny in the Bible for me. And that's when Samuel's mom was sad, depressed, crying because she couldn't have children. And her husband says, I love it. He says, don't be sad because you don't have kids. You have me. <laughs> Am I not better than ten children? Do you notice it does not give a response? <laughs> I like find that to be the funniest thing in the Bible. And I mean, how many of you wanted to say right now, no, you're not. But hallelujah, she was, she was prayed over and she received a miracle. Now, every now and then we see that, where someone has received a miracle who cannot have a child, and God has, has put his hand on them. And I know there's sad times when that doesn't happen, but yet I know there's times when it does. A child comes. I think of my own daughter right here with uh, the birth of Jedi. For whatever reason, she was not able to have another child. Though she sought the Lord, she cried out to the Lord. 
And then we had an evangelist here. Actually, a woman doctor from Pakistan, a Pakistani, precious, prophetic. And she prayed over people, and she prayed over Caris. I remember. It was right here, over this area. You remember that, don't you? And she prophesied that you will have a child, and within nine months, they had a child. Now, you know, God can do anything. He's our heavenly Father. He wants to bless us. He really does. He really does. And so little Samuel was born. And then she did the strangest, oddest things. You, you want to have a child so desperately, so badly. And yet, as soon as she had the child, she had a conviction. Don't you love it when the Holy Spirit speaks to you, God speaks to you, and it's something you do not want to hear at all? But yet, you know you have to do it. And so what the Lord said to her, you need to give up your son. I'm talking about an infant. A little boy, actually. Very, very little. You need to give up your son and dedicate him to the ministry. You need to take him to the high priest, or actually to the, to the priest uh, Eli. And, uh, and he was actually a judge over Israel. And you need to say... I'm going to dedicate my son to the service of the Lord, and therefore, I'm going to leave him with you. So that means you just got your prayers answered, and now you're going to lose what you so badly wanted. But then God would bless her womb so she had many other children. But Samuel, who became a judge after Eli, he became one, like I said, my favorite judges. But interestingly enough, Eli, who was a judge, had two sons who were evil. And this is one of the saddest things when a minister has a son, a daughter, who totally refuses the ways of the Lord. And these two young men actually were referred to as priests, but they... They slept with other women that would come to offer their sacrifices. Uh, they would take improperly of the sacrifice itself, the meat, and uh, consume it for their own needs, what have you, and, and so forth. They were, they were evil. And so Samuel would grow up. Hey, how many remember Samuel? Samuel was a little boy who heard from the Lord as a little boy, and he didn't know it was the Lord. And then he, he goes and he wakes up Eli and says, Eli, what do you want? And Eli says, well, go back to sleep. I didn't call your name. So he goes back to sleep. And this happens like three times. And the third time, Eli says, hey, God is speaking to you. Next time you hear that, say, here I am, Lord. Speak to me. And so Eli began to teach and mentor him how to hear the word of the Lord. It's really important to know how to hear the word of the Lord. See, I don't believe that God just call, calls up certain individuals, men and women, to hear the word of the Lord. I believe anybody and everybody can be a hearer of the Lord. Now, I'm going to stretch this verse, but we're not to be hearers of the Lord only, or of the word only. We're supposed to be doers, right? I mean, we're supposed to be hearing. That's what I'm getting at. And I believe everyone here has the capacity to hear from the Lord. Some of you say, yeah, but I don't know my Bible very well. 
Who asked you if you knew your Bible very well? If God wants to speak to you, he can speak to you if you're ignorant of the word or knowledgeable of the word. In fact, have you ever seen where some business is hiring? I just heard this on, you know, on a radio uh, just a couple days ago. Hey, we're hiring. We want you to come. We've got all these benefits. And uh, you don't need to know how to do anything. We will train you. You know what that means? We don't want you to come with your old habits. We want to train you how to do it our way, basically. Well, God wants to speak to you. He wants, he wants to speak to his children. And everybody in this room, and I mean everybody, I'm looking left and right, all the way to the back, everybody. And I'll shift over to those who are down in children's church right now, maybe those who are in the nursery. God would speak to every one of you. It doesn't matter if you're shy, you're bashful, you feel that you are unable, and you just don't feel that you're a worthy candidate. Since when could you ever make yourself worthy to come unto the Lord? Right? God, the Holy Spirit draws us and we come. Hallelujah. And if we draw near to God, what does he do? He draws near to us. I will never forget when I first started hearing from the Lord. And actually, I was a very young man. And I didn't really understand it. So I can kind of, you know, think, identify a little bit with Samuel. But God wants to speak to us. My grandkids, God wants to speak to every one of them. So what you should do, how many would like to hear from God? Okay, for those of you who didn't raise your hand, then you get what you asked for. <laughs> Everyone should want to hear from God. How many wants to hear from your favorite brother, sister, cousin, whatever it might be? You know, you want to hear from someone you love. We should all want to hear from the one who loves us the best, loves us the most. So our Heavenly Father has so many things for us, and with the judges... However, Samuel would prophesy the end of Eli's life and his sons. God gave him the full message. The full, think about it. Here's the man who's been raising you for how many ever years. And now he's saying to, he's saying to his mentor, Eli, the Lord gave me a word. And Eli knew it. And he said, son... Give me the entire word. And he gave him the entire word. It would be doom and gloom to the two sons of Eli and then Eli himself. Now subsequently, 40 some plus years later, Samuel would be an old man, gray hair it says in the word, and he had two sons. Guess what? Those two sons also were evil. And the people recognized it, and they said, we don't want your sons to rule over us. We know, we know Samuel, you're old, and you're going to die soon. We don't want your sons. And so what they were doing was clamoring for a king, calling out, we want a king like everybody else. But what I want to get at is 
Sometimes your children do not follow in your, in your footsteps. If you're serving the Lord, they may not follow you. So what do you do? I'm sure you're, like everyone else who's a believer, you weep. You call out upon the Lord. And folks, you need to call out as often as possible. You need to pray in whatever way the Holy Spirit would direct you and guide you. Now I say it that way because sometimes you've got to do more than just pray. And you need wisdom of what methods you can use. Maybe it's getting a handkerchief, a cloth, anointing it with oil, and putting that cloth inside the pillowcase of that young man's bed or that young woman's bed. If they're being wild, if they're walking away from God, and you just, how many, we've read in the Word of God more than a couple of times where cloths were anointed and people were healed by those cloths. Now, let's not get into uh, worshiping things that are man-made. They're only a, a symbol. They're only a tool. That's it. That's it. The oil that we have here, I've said this often, I believe it comes from Kroger. So, have you ever noticed they have an aisle that says anointed oil? They don't. They don't. What makes it anointed is the person who's holding that oil who is filled with the Holy Spirit, and that becomes a symbol of the Holy Spirit that is being smeared over you. Ooh, hallelujah. How many just felt that just now? Smeared. I like smeared. The blood was smeared over the doorposts. That blood was just the blood of an animal. It's life's blood. But when it was smeared over the doorposts in Israel, or in Egypt actually, over the doorposts and the sideposts, it became a saving grace for the Israelites. And if they did that obediently, smeared that blood, then the angel of death, which was passing over, subsequently we have Passover, was passing, would pass over their household and not bring death and destruction to their household. Because the Egyptians were not serving God, none of them obeyed, and therefore there was mourning and groaning and wailing throughout the entire nation as the firstborn, get this, the firstborn of every family, including the family of the Pharaoh, including the firstborn of the animals that belonged to the people, died. Death came upon them. But for those who had smeared the blood over their doorposts, there was safety. Hallelujah. And when we anoint with oil, praise God, there is a smearing anointedness that comes upon us. Hallelujah. Not because of where it was purchased from. True, I do like to get some oil, some fragrant oil from, uh, from Israel because it's going to come, you know, that's kind of cool, the olive press that's there and what have you. You know, but, but it's, it's, that doesn't make it anointed. What makes it anointed is the hands of the one who uses it. And again, 
You may be such a, a young Christian, a young believer, immature in the Word, and yet you are given the luxury and, and the gift from God, from the Holy Spirit, to you could anoint someone with oil. Hallelujah. You don't have to be some major preacher, teacher, evangelist. All you have to be is a willing servant. How many willing servants are here in this room today? That's what you need to be, is a willing servant. Praise God. We get back to Eli. He dies. His sons die. 40 plus years later, Samuel and his sons, they, 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 the sons are evil. And so God says to Samuel, Samuel, don't, don't pay any attention to them. Do what they want. Because they are not rejecting you. They're rejecting me. The judges was the idea of God, the plan of God. But in the eyes of the people, they were done with judges, and they wanted a king. They had a different preference. So God said to Samuel, it's a very sad place in Scripture. Samuel, never mind them. They're not really rejecting you. They're rejecting me. And therefore, we got the first king of Israel, Saul. And it goes on till we get to David. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. But I want to say this about a father and your sons and your daughters. If you have children that are running amok, if you have, if you have family members who are running from the Lord, in fact, they may not be running from the Lord because they don't know that they're in a race. They do not acknowledge God, and so they don't consider it running. Haven't you ever wondered about that before? How can they live in such evil? It's because they're not even recognizing who God is. We say, oh, look at what God has done. We did this a little bit ago in service, didn't we? You know, I asked you to you know, speak out loud. By the way, it's a great exercise that we need to do, and that's why we do it from time to time. It's important for the congregation to say out loud together, you know, different praises of the Lord God. We're not here because it's Sunday. Okay, a little bit because it's Sunday. But we're here because we want to serve God. This is the time we come to meet together. This is the time we all come together and to be mutually, mutually blessed, mutually provoked to love the Lord, the Lord God with all of our hearts, heart, soul, mind, and strength. Hallelujah. I hope when you walk out of here, you feel like, man, I'm glad I went to church this morning. I am glad I was in the house of the Lord. I received something. If the Holy Spirit has spoke to you at all during this service, the mission is accomplished. The church is successful. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So this morning, we hear about these great men in the Bible, and sometimes they're errant sons in this regard. I'm sure there are errant daughters as well. But I'm going to ask you to do something, dads. You've become what the Bible says is a priest to your household. We read about it. Peter talks about it in New Testament. You are to be a priest. You said, priest? I don't hardly feel like I'm worthy to be an usher. And by the way, to be an usher is a privilege. To be an usher is a, another gifting to the church. But 
if you have an errant individual in your, in your family and you're a dad, dad, take the authority that God has given you. Take the authority to pray, to believe, to refuse what the enemy has to say. How many has ever gotten a diagnosis from the doctor and you said, you know what, I respect your ability, but I'm not receiving that. I'm not receiving that. There are people here that should probably be dead, and you're not, because you chose to believe God rather than believe what man had to say. Although we have immense respect for the medical field, don't we? That's not in question. What is in question is when your spirit says, I'm not receiving that. I'm not receiving that. What I am receiving is the promises of God. And they are yea and they are amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. If you're like Eli, you like Samuel, dads, and you've got you know, some kids that are not living for the Lord, you need to claim those guys. And don't give them just a perfunctory prayer I mean, search. You ask the Holy Spirit to tell you how to pray and also what to do. Because it may not just be a thing of prayer verbally. It may be something tangible that you need to do physically. God's called you to be a priest of your home, of your wife, of your family. How many says that's a good word? You should, because that's not Gary's word. That's the word of the Lord. That's the word of, the, of Scripture. Hallelujah. This morning, and, and I just think of all the many, many blessings. I'm so blessed, and, and uh, I, I don't want to bore you because I, I could uh, tell you how blessed I am with my own children. But one of the ways you're going to be blessed is when your children follow your example. And I want to share a scripture. In Philippians 3.17, it says, Brethren, now get this. Are you ready for this? Brethren. Join in following my example. Now let's just put a halt there for one second. So I'm up here preaching away, and I say to everybody, all of you, hey, follow my example. Someone's going to be sitting out there going, do you believe what he just said? Who does he think he is? Paul was a father to many, 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 many people. Many churches, many believers. And he could say, join. If he's saying join, he means that there are some who are already doing it. Join them. Join in following my example and note, take notice, those who so walk as you have us for a pattern. See, now not too many people could say that and you would respect them. I don't care what kind of press they have as a preacher, teacher, evangelist. It gets to a certain point where you go, whoa, 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 whoa. You know, you're too full of yourself. But you see, Paul wasn't full of himself. He was full of the Holy Spirit. And he was able to state these words. So, be a desirable pattern for your kids, for your children, for your grandchildren. And if you feel like I've blown it, 
Well, everybody blows it once in a while. Pull your bootstraps back up and get back in the battle and begin to be the pattern. Begin to be the example. Does anyone hear what I'm saying? To be the example, to be the pattern. I want to pick on Kyle for a second. He's about to become a new dad. That's what you get for being here on, you know, this close to uh, Jack is about ready to have a baby. When's the due date? July 19th. Wow, coming up. That's like next month, isn't it? All right. They're going to experience something they've never experienced before, a child. They're going to be a mom and dad, but right now it's Father's Day, so I'm going to talk about Kyle. You're going to be the father that, that you deem as the best father by picking out the best examples to follow after because there is not a written manual. A little bit in the Word of God. You know, don't provoke your children. Ephesians, you know, chapter 6, verse 1. You know, don't provoke them onto wrath. You know, different things like that. Love your family with all of your hearts or love your wife if they see that. You know, we teach our children how to be married. If we're doing it scripturally, spiritually, they see how we treat each other and they say, that's the marriage. I'll be honest with you. My marriage was somewhat built off of my brother and sister-in-law. They're 11 years older than me, so I really didn't even grow up together. You know, but I watched their lives, and I thought, they've got, they love the Lord, they love their kids, and it was just awesome. And I thought, you know what? That's how it should be. You need to find a pattern. And I know, Kyle, you will find a pattern that you will look at, and, uh, and you won't just follow them only, but you'll have multiple patterns. But seek out the good patterns, and especially those who are godly and can instill righteousness uh, into their families. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And, and the Lord God will bless you as a dad because I'll be honest with you, you don't know what to do. That's just the way it is. That's just the way it is. But I know you'll do wonderful because you already have the right attitude. Attitude is 99% of it. Would you get, agree, guys? So we're not laughing really at you. We're rejoicing with you. Right. Knowing that God's going to do a good work in you. Because you're going to set a new pattern of your own. Why? Because you are the head of your wife and children-to-be. So it's really important that you love them like Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Hallelujah. What is that? That's giving sacrificially, isn't it, gang? Giving sacrificially. I mean, giving it all, maybe. So hallelujah. In fact, I'm ready to close. So I want to pray real quickly for this young couple. Father God, oh Jesus, I thank you for a love relationship that's between Kyle and Jackie that is so obvious. We are rejoicing over the, the birth that is going to be taking place soon. And Lord, we thank you for the family that you are bringing together now. No longer a couple, a family. 
And Father, I pray, God, that you would strengthen and encourage them, direct them in their leadership and guidance. I pray, Lord, that you would cause them to be the patterns, the examples that they need to be for this child to come. And Lord, we pray, God, supernaturally, that you would, Lord, guard Jackie and, Lord, be over her, Lord, uh, overshadow her with your protection. And Lord, we pray, God, that you would bless this family and bless Kyle as a dad to become a dad-to-be. And Lord, I pray, Lord, that all of his own ideas will always be seasoned with the seasoning of the Holy Spirit. And Lord, now I pray for the dads in this room. I pray, God, that you would bless every father in this room. Lord, there are some times when, as dads, we have failed. Sometimes we have failed miserably. Lord, I thank you for grace. I thank you for the story of not the prodigal son, but of the loving and gracious father. Lord, I pray, God, that you would give us that same type of embracing. Give us, O Lord, as fathers, that same desire to love even when there's a situation going that is not lovable. And Lord, I pray, Father, today that you would bless and anoint every man in here, O God. Fathers to become, Lord, you know the future, hallelujah. And so, Lord, we thank you. We give you all the praise. Father, if there's anyone here who is in need of a miracle, who's in need of healing, who is in need of the manifestation of your power, I pray, O oh God, that they would begin to receive that. Lord, I pray for every father especially, Lord, to pick up the oil. The oil is not anointed until an anointed individual has it in their hand, on their finger. Lord, may we, if we have, I pray for those who have children who have strayed from you, O oh God, that, Lord, these dads, and these moms will be given the instruction that comes from heaven above to rescue them, to rescue them. And we ask it in the name of Jesus, and everyone said, amen. amen. And I believe we have, a, we have some gifts back there, right? And so they're going to be back there, right? All right. You are dismissed.